Good morning. How are you today? Gray? Who's gray? I'm gray too. This is a beautiful morning and it's beautiful. Worship together It's so beautiful. Uh, I was up there and just seeing everyone worshiping here. Uh, it's so beautiful to be part of the family of God. Uh, I think that mom is taking a picture. <laughs> my name is Armando and this is my great friend. Noah Jacobs. Noah. Uh, Noah, could you put your hand together for Noah? Now, we are in charge today of the announcement. Are you ready for the announcement today? Okay, what is the first announcement for the day? Um, the Great Divorce is this Wednesday. Um, baptisms is... What before? Oh, oh. The, the Great Divorce is not that it's going to happen something bad here in church, okay? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, because I know that some of you of you were thinking, oh, I have to come this Wednesday to see the great divorce. <laughs> uh, this is a class that uh, we are studying C.S. Lewis uh, this Wednesday, 7 p.m. If you can be here in the last two, three weeks have been great. Uh, we are discussing this book uh, this week. Please come. Okay, second announcement. Are you ready? The person that made this announcement didn't write 7 p.m. Yes, please. Uh, who? Lee? Just to go to Noah's office after the service, okay? Okay, um, baptisms is June 18th. Um, Honduras trip and dates announced February 17th to 24th, 2024, and June 22nd to 29th, 2024. Um, and we have a meeting, right? If someone wants to go to the, to the trip, what do they have to do? Um, oh, they got to go, oh, my LCC got inf info, interest meeting following service today. Now you know. If you want to go in February trip, uh, we have, I think, more announcement uh, of this, more details. And after the service, we're having a meeting, an interest meeting, if you want. Now, me and Noah, we have been friends. Um, Noah is a man that loves the Lord, and we have something in common, right? What thing do we have in common? Um, we speak Spanish. We both speak Spanish. I, I can prove this to you. Hola. Can <laughs> you prove for them? Um, nos gustamos Jesús. We both love Jesus, and he speaks Spanish. We both love Jesus. Also, we like ice cream. What is your favorite flavor? Um, helado de chocolate. Chocolate. Who likes chocolate? We have to make a Sunday Sunday. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> now we want to finish before uh, we give the space to Tom. Uh, Noah is going to pray, but he's going to pray in Spanish for us, and he have something that, that he wrote for this morning. Gracias Dios por tus milagros. Me has presentado como estar más valiente y más fiel. Porque de tu presencia has incrementado mi creencia en ti. Amén. Amén. Enjoy the service. Amen. I'm so glad you're with us. Um, they beat me to it. I brought my copy of The Great Divorce. Um, if if, uh, if you're like, I can't read a whole book by Wednesday, you can read this book by Wednesday, I promise, okay? This is a fantastic look at, um, at what it means to walk with God and the decisions that we make along the way that keep us from him, okay? 
So this, over many, many years, the book, The Great Divorce, has spoken to a lot of people, but it's spoken into my life in ways that remind me constantly of the ends that God will go to to bring me to him um, and the, the barriers that I put up in my own life that keep me away from him. So I would really, really encourage you, if, if you have any, if there's any way you can be here Wednesday night to discuss this with us, this is a really important, critical, critical book. So, um, so... My iPad's not set up. No one's fault but my own, I'm sure. But stare at me for a minute while I play with the iPad. Um, it'll be just like parenting. Um, so I'm kidding, kidding, right? We don't, we don't let kids do that. Um, so, um, so here we are. <laughs> Good morning. All right. We have been in a series. Um, we've been in a series that we've called Seven Postures of a Disciple. Seven postures of, of a, the, uh, seven postures of a disciple, and a disciple is is shorthand. It's a word for someone who follows Jesus, guys. Okay? Who follows Jesus? It, it, it's it's a word that simply means like one who comes after him, who lives in his ways. It, it's what Jesus told his followers to do before he left in in Matthew chapter twenty eight. He said, "Go make disciples. Go make others who follow after me." And so we've been in this series, and we call we talked about posture, and posture is important. At least uh, my mother said it was. Um, for many, many years when I was slouching in, in, in any number of situations. But, but posture is important when it comes to the way that, that, we, um, that we're communicating our intention towards others, right? And so, so the, the, not just where we go, but, but how we behave when we're there, what, what, what communicates why we're there, what we're doing, the importance of it. And so we're, we're talking about postures, okay? We're talking about postures. We're talking about not just sort of like what to do, but ways of doing it. Okay? And so we're almost to the end of this series. We're almost to the end of this series, and, and we've, we've discussed these five things that to do, to ab- abiding, a posture of abiding, which is really just sort of resting with God, being near God, a posture of sharing or, or, or giving to others the goodness of God with, with open hands, connecting. We've, we've talked about connecting with God okay? and, and connecting with one another. The ways that, that we, we sit side by side, shoulder to shoulder with one another, and, and we, we try to connect with God together. We talked about releasing, what it means to, to not try to make, um, to not try to make the, the work of God or what's going on uh, in, in our lives or in the church our own, but to allow God to use others and to let go of things. And last week we discussed equipping, equipping. Or, or trying to, to give over to others what God has given to us. Just, just giving, God has, has given each of us something, and, and how is it that we pass along what God's given to us to others? And today, our, our posture is going to be pursuing, okay? A posture of pursuing. And, and I want to be, right at the outset, I want to just uh, draw a distinction. We're going to talk about pursuing today and pursuing others, Okay? But, but I want to make a distinction between pursuing others and chasing others, okay? Pursuing others and chasing others. That the, the, the posture of chase is, is it's typically a, a one-sided affair where I'm going after someone for, for some reason that I want. What we're going to talk about today is pursuing others to try to help, to try to help keep others in the spot where God would have them. To, that when we see others moving away from God's work in their life, or, or we see others uh, engaging in things in their life that are, that are harmful or, 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 or detrimental to their relationship with God, what do we do about it, okay? Do, do, how, do we, how do we handle that? Do we just live and let live, or do we do something else? And I believe that the scriptures tell us that there's more to it than just let everybody do their own thing, okay? 
And, but first, I want to just, just establish a few things when it comes to the issue of, of like what we're talking about, okay? Because when we talk about pursuing, I think there's another word in here that we need to get straight. And, and, and in Proverbs, it says this. It says, one who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead, okay? And when we talk about pursuing, around here, when we talk about pursuing, we're talking about what do we do with those who are wandering, Okay? What do we do with those who are wandering? And, and I would say it this way. In our relationships with one another, what is it that I'm asking you to do when you see me wandering? Okay? When you see me wandering. You see, one who wanders, and this is, it's, it's a really, you know, it's a really fascinating technical Hebrew word that means one who wanders, okay? Like one who just is aimless or pointless or is drifting from the right direction, one who wanders, and, and the, the author of Proverbs here says very emphatically, the one who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. That's poetic language to say wandering ends in death, okay? Wandering ends in death, and, and again, death is death. It's, 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 it's a, an important term, but we just want to start by establishing this idea, okay? We want to start by establishing this idea, that death is at the end of the wandering path. So when we talk about, like, what are, when we talk about pursuing one another, when we talk about, about trying to help one another stay on the right path to avoid wandering, we're doing that because we, we believe something to be true, right? It's something that the scriptures tell us. It's that if we wander, if we drift, if we're floating, if we're not pointed, bad things happen. Bad things happen. The Bible shorthand for bad things happening is death. It's death. Death is the, is the consequence of sin. Okay? It's, it's all throughout the scriptures, but Paul says it as well, that, 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 that the wages, the payment for sin is death. Death is, death, to be, for us to understand it theologically and correctly, it, it means separation. That, that, to, to, that death brings about separation uh, at, at, the, at the just sort of the, the vitality level. Death is the separation of the spirit from the body, that, that we live on in spirit, but we're separated from our body. But, but at the spiritual level, it, it, it means that, like, that we are separated from God. We're separated from God. And so one of the, just, just to start this morning, as clearly as I can start with what we're going to say, is that, that this issue uh, you know, like, we may think about, like, really big things and go, those are the things that ruin your life, right? Like, like you know, don't do drugs. It's going to ruin your life, and that's true, right? And, and don't break the law. It's going to ruin your life, and, and don't get into relationships that are, that are unhealthy for you or abusive to you. It's going to ruin, and, and those things are true, okay? There's, this is not a denial of those things. But oftentimes we look at wandering and we go, what's the big deal, right? Drifting, and we kind of go like, eh, no big deal. Just floating along or wherever the current takes me, no big deal, no problem. But the scriptures are not going to let us off the hook on this. And in fact, we saw there that, that the author of Proverbs says this, and we're going to see it in other places, that, that actually aimlessness, wandering, drifting, is just as deadly to our souls as any of the big things, right? Any of the things that we, that we will quickly point out and say, that's going to ruin you if you don't stop doing that, it's the same issue here. 
that if we, if we drift, if we wander, if we just kind of go about our own way or just, or just wherever the wind takes us, it's not, it's not, I get that there are certain personality types, and I understand that some people are more go with the flow and other people are more, and that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the intention that we take in our life with where we're headed and where are we pointed and what are we aimed towards. And are we, are we just allowing ourselves to be carried along with whatever comes by? Or is there something else at stake here? Is there something more important? Is there, is there a path that we're pursuing? And we want to say around here, we're pursuing a path. We exist to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ, growing relationships with Jesus Christ. That's the aim. We're pointed at it. Everything else winds up becoming a distraction. And if we, those distractions become the point or the aim, we, we would say we're wandering away from our purpose, the purpose we believe that God, through his scriptures, has given the church. And so we want to we address this. We want to talk about it. Because in, at the end of the day, death is at the end of the, the wandering path. That's what we find there, right? And so we're going to, I want to look at just, um, you know, what the, how the Bible addresses some of this. Um, and um, <clears throat> sorry, and so uh, I want to take a look at a couple more Old Testament passages to get the, to get a feel for this. Uh, in Psalm or Song one nineteen, um, the, the the author there says says um, he says this about one. He says, "How can a young man keep his way pure? How can we stay on that path, guarding it according to your word, God?" Psalm one nineteen is actually all about God's word. It's about the scriptures, and then he says in verse ten, "With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments." Okay. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We might see that, that verse 11 there quoted a lot. Like, I've stored your word up inside of me so that I, like, this is the thing that keeps me from wandering, right? We, we seek God to avoid wandering. We, we aim ourselves at him and we seek him because we, we understand that, that the wandering is, is not, it, it, in the end, wandering brings about death. So we want to seek God. We guard our heart, Okay. We, we, we guard our, our, our way, we guard our way, and we keep it pure according to God's word, okay? We, we, and it says, I love what it says, that, is we store up his word in our heart. His word is his truth. We store his truth up in our in, most internal places. We put it at the center of who we are. This is reiterated in Proverbs chapter 7. We, we studied the book of Proverbs recently as, as a body, and, and we looked at, at Proverbs chapter 7. And in Proverbs chapter 7, it talks to us about how to avoid being destroyed by sin is really kind of the whole chapter. And, and, there, and temptation is personified as this sort, of, um, this sort of seductive woman who's trying to lure a young man. And at the end of that chapter, it goes through all of her different tactics. And at the end of that, here's what, what Solomon says. He, says. he says, and now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray, it's another word, right, for wander. Don't wander into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. There's so many of them. Her house is the way to Sheol or to the grave. It goes down to the chambers of death, right? So he uses wandering as this picture of this young man moving about life and getting dangerously close to giving in to the temptation. It says, don't let your heart turn aside. Don't stray. Don't wander. Stay focused on the target. Stay focused on the target. And so if the first thing we want to say is that wandering, like we need to take wandering seriously. Like wandering produces death. It's what, it's, it's the natural 
end of the journey of wandering is, is death. And, and other places in Scripture, it tells us that we stop wandering by focusing on, this, on the straight path that's ahead. Okay? We stop wandering by focusing on the straight path that's ahead. And so today, I, I want to be in, in, uh, in celebration of, of the PGA Championship that's going on just a little over there near Rochester. Okay? I'm sorry I'm a golf guy. If you're not a golf, but I have people say this to me all the time. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to pause for one second. I have people say, like, you know, I'd like to learn to play golf. And I go, good luck with that. Okay? It's really hard. It's really hard. And I'm not the person to teach you. I'm not very good. Okay? But I do enjoy it. Um, I do enjoy it. And today I'm going to give for all of you, which is like three, but whatever. But for all of you who have said, hey, maybe sometime you could show me how to play golf, I'm going to say, like, okay, this is lesson number one. And it has to do with this. Okay? It has to do with this. The key to golf, okay? The key to golf is putting the, the, the ball in the hole. That's it. Right? So simple. Okay? But it's really hard. It's really hard. And I'm, today I want to give, I want to talk about, I want to give you a putting lesson. Right? Because here's the thing. You may, you may never in your life go out on the golf course and play the full course, but I bet you're going to play like putt-putt at some time, what we more sophisticated golfers call mini-golf. Okay? Um, but, like, you may, not, you may not go play golf, golf, but you're probably going to do this. And I, here, you ready? This is, this is I'm going to give you, like, serious wisdom here, okay? Now, the first thing is the equipment, and I'm going I'm to keep this as short as I can. The first thing is the equipment. When you have a golf ball, most golf balls, you're, th- those of you with strong eyes will see this, most golf balls come with some kind of marking on them that's like a, a, a straight line, okay? This one happens to have almost like crosshairs. But the real golfers, this is the most important piece of equipment, Okay? Is this tiny, it's, it's more important than your 7-iron, okay? It's this, it's this little piece of plastic that you put on the golf ball so that you can draw a straight line. I've got my marker, and I'm going to put a big old fat straight line on here, okay? Because when I'm going to putt this golf ball, I need it to go straight. So I'm going to put a big old long straight line on So next time you go to play putt-putt, okay, this thing costs like $2. Get one of these at Walmart, Target. Next time you go play putt-putt, take their purple or orange or green ball and draw a line on it. I promise you'll do better. I don't know what they're going to say if you do that, but, but try it. Just check it out, okay? But here's the thing. So you, gotta have a, you have to have a straight line, okay? You have a straight line. And you don't freehand that, right? Have you ever tried to draw on a small, like, golf? It's, it's almost impossible, okay? It takes, like, really good practice to, to get it. But, so, so the $2 piece of plastic, put it on there, draw a straight line, okay? Now, to finish this off, I'm going to go up here, Okay? Because I did put, I have, I have, like, I have a whole thing. You're going to love this, okay? Again, next time you go play putt-putt. It's really important, okay? So up here I have a, uh, I, I, I believe this is a 12-foot long uh, putting mat, okay? Now, in honor of the PGA Championship, I also looked up some numbers, okay? I looked up some numbers. Professional golfers, okay? From this distance, this is about, this is, I think the mat is 12 feet, so this is probably like a 10-foot putt. Okay? From 10 feet, professional golfers make this putt about 40% of the time. So when I miss, you can't judge me. Okay? Can't judge me. But professional golfers make this putt about 40% of the time. Now, if, you, if you're a golf watcher, or even if, especially if you're a casual golf watcher, every time you turn on the TV, they're like 40 feet away making putts. That's obviously the joys of editing, right? Like, they put that on TV because it so rarely happens, okay? From 40 feet, actually, from 40 feet, the, the professional golfers make that putt about 3% of the time. So once out of every 30, 35 attempts, okay? 
50 feet is literally one out of every 50 attempts, okay? 2%. So th this, like, putting is not easy. It's hard, okay? It's hard. And, um, and if, if you're in the room, and I've happened to have been your golf coach, you could tell me the reason God gave you two eyeballs, okay? God gave you two eyeballs because too many, like, he doesn't want us lining putts up with one eye, okay? So when you want to make a putt, okay, this is really important. It's really important to use both your eyes to line up the putt. Why? Because we need to create the straightest line to the hole that's going to work. Now, this happens to be, although we tested it earlier, it's definitely leaning one direction. So, um, but, but this is going to be a pretty flat and straight putt. So I want to take my ball with my line that I've drawn, my straight line, and I want to get behind it, and I'm going to put it down as straight as I possibly can towards that hole. And I'm going to back up and use both my eyes and look and ask myself this question. Is that straight? And it happens to be, but I'm going to pretend it's not. Because if it's not, I want to come up here and I want to adjust it again and make sure that it's straight. Okay? So I have a straight line to that hole. Okay? I do that so that when I actually hit the ball, if it goes on that straight line, I should expect it to hit the target. Fair enough, right? Fair enough? Let's test it. PGA pros make this putt how many times? 40%. Okay. All right. So I'm going to come up, and I'm going to stand over the ball. I've lined it up. I trust that I'm, it's pointed in the right direction. I'm going to put my club down. Okay? By the way, this is really fast. All the excuses I can think of. Okay? So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit this putt. And I'm a pro. Okay. I was not expecting that to happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but the point is this, right? The point is this. Um, the, reason, the reason that even the pros from that distance, I mean, sign me up, but the reason that, that even the pros from that distance only make about two out of every five putts is because when you st the further you start to get away from the target, it's the slightest of misses back at the, at the ball and the club meeting that cause the change, okay, that cause it to veer off, okay, all that to make this point, right? We stop wandering by focusing on the straight path. If I stand there over that putt and worry about all the things going on all around me, I'm going to miss that putt, forget about, you know, two out of five times, I'm going to miss it 100 out of 100 times. We have to, you have to focus on that one thing, blocking out all the other, and just going straight ahead to the target, okay? It's the same way in our life. It's the same way in our life. What the scriptures say is that the way to avoid wandering is not to familiarize yourself with all of the other things around you and become really, like, really, like, um, I'm, I'm really familiar with all the boundary lines. The way to avoid wandering is to know the path. Focus on the path. Where do you need to go? How do we get there? With us, it's how do we faithfully walk with Jesus? We're not talking about sin management. We're talking, not talking about how, do you, how you avoid doing some big bad thing that's going to put you in jail or get you, you know, into some kind of mess you can't get out of. We're talking about how do we walk faithfully with Jesus, right? We have to stay on that path. Now, around here, we don't do that alone. 
okay? We don't do it alone. So look at what, what it says in Galatians. Paul writes this to the church, the churches in Galatia. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, someone has started to wander, right? They're caught in sin. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Look what he says. He says, look, here's the deal about this, okay? If we find someone who's, who's wandering off of the path, who's leaving that straight path, when that happens, when that happens, you who are spiritual are to gently restore. That's you who are spiritual. That's shorthand for like those, of, those who are mature. Those who are mature, those, those who, who are hearing the Spirit's voice, step in. Step in, and but, and but it's not just step in and kick them in the tail, right? Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. It's not beat people up. It's come alongside. Walk with them. Keep watch, because in that place, you may be tempted yourself, okay? No one is beyond temptation. But bear one another, like walk with one another, help other people carry that weight, Help people carry that weight. So we pick up this notion as well when we start talking about pursuing. The spiritual maturity demands steering the wanderer back to the truth. Like that is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's those, those who are spiritual, help bring them back. Help bring them back. Now it ends with this phrase where it says, it says and so you fulfill the law of Christ. What, wait a minute, the law of Christ, that's, a, that's an idea that's tossed in there. But we want to make sure we're clear on this, Okay. So fulfill the law of Christ. Well, the law of Christ is best explained to us, and if, if those of you around here know our friend Steve, Steve Adrianson tells us the law of Christ is what? Love one another. I give you a new law. Love one another. It's also, it's, it's, it's also buried in the great commandment. Love God and love your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor is love one another, okay? Love one another. So, so if we're to do that, what does it look like? Well, here, let's look at what Jesus himself said in, in, in Luke chapter 15. If, if, if Jesus is the, is the model of love, okay, he tells, this, he tells several stories here in Luke 15, but we're just going to look at this first one. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. They were coming near to Jesus. And tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. They were stealing from the people to give money for themselves and to Rome. Um, and, and they were hated. So, so the hated people and the, the sinners were drawing near to Jesus. In verse 2, it says, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. Okay? So this is the religious people. So the religious people are grumbling, and they say, this man, this guy, he receives sinners and eats with them. He hangs out with the worst people. Okay? So Jesus told them this parable. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. He gives them a story that, that equates to their world. If you, you, know, you know what a shepherd does? A shepherd goes after the lost sheep. Well, what, what parent amongst you doesn't go after the child that's, that's lost, right? What, what friend, what true friend doesn't go after the friend that's lost at a, at a point in time when we, you may have a dozen friends? But when one of them is struggling, we, you go, we help right? So he says, he says sheep, it could be any of those things. But if you have a hundred sheep, he's lost one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost? And look at verse 5, he says, and when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. This is an amazing picture. You, and again, you may have seen like some pictures of Jesus with the, sh the, the sheep, the lamb around his shoulders. Um, there's a lot to that, and, and for the sake of time, I just want to say this, like part of what's happening there is that that 
the shepherd is carrying the sheep until the danger is removed. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not just a picture of affection. It's not like, like, like I have a dog that gives me hugs, um, which is, it, I know it's weird, but, I mean, my kids won't hug me anymore, so I've trained the dog too. So, so <clears throat> that's not even true. They will. Um, some of them. Um, but, but, but this picture of, like, the lamb around the shoulders, it's not, it's not really about affection. We, we sort of, we may respond that way when we see it. It's actually about the shepherd carrying that lamb until it's out of trouble, till the trouble has passed, okay? Or if it's, or maybe from, from whatever danger it got into, too weak to walk on its own, and so the shepherd carries it until it can walk on its own, right? And so... It says this, when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And verse 7 says, just so, Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Okay? You see, this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of helping people who've wandered from the path wandered from the flock, this was pri- a primary way that Jesus says the, like, the, in, the work of God is done, is when, we, is when we pursue the one who's wandering. Now, of course, big picture, theologically, this is what God has done for us in his son Jesus, right? Of course. God sent his son for, for a sinner like me who's wandered off the path. Jesus has done this. He's carried me into his goodness when I can't carry myself on my own legs. But it's also a picture, it's also a picture of what it means for those of us who walk in the way of Jesus to chase, to pursue those, to pursue those who have wandered off, to go after them, to to not just let them be, This is just, it's one aspect of the law of Christ. Of the, when, it says, when, when Paul writes to the church in Galatia, that so, in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ to love one another. This is one way we do it. <clears throat> the end of rejoicing is cause, or the end of wandering is cause for rejoicing. The end of the wandering is cause for rejoicing. We, we participate in it. We participate in it. Broadly, it's, it's, it's like a picture that we, you know, uh, we want to be a place that takes sin seriously, but, but also specifically, we want to create community. We want to create community. It's why we, we do cell life together, to engage with one another. So when wandering begins, we can speak into that in one another's lives. We can pursue one another in ways that says, I just, this is not, this path is heading away from God and not towards him. This path is heading towards death and not life. And so, again, yes, broadly, yes, we want to make known what God, is, what God has done for us through Jesus, but, but, but specifically we want to be a place where we get in each other's way. And from time to time, we put one another up on our shoulders and help carry the load. And we want to celebrate that. And lastly, review from Proverbs, review from James. These are the last two verses of the book of James, which we just studied as a body. The very last two verses. All the, the things of faith and action. All the things that, that James writes and says, like, this is, this is true and pure faith to, to walk with God. He says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, 
Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Guess that? Anyone who, let, no, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save the, his, the sinner's soul from death, from separation from God. We want to be a place that says, if I, if I see you wandering, I'm going to come and I'm going to take you by the hand and say, let's get back over here. Let's get back on the path. I'd much rather in my flesh, I'd much rather say, hey, have fun with that. Go figure it out. And when you're done, you'll figure out you left the path. And you'll come back and see that I was right and join me over here. I'd rather do that. I'll be, I'll be here when you're ready. Or one of my favorite lines, they're an adult. Let them figure it out. The excuses that I make to let myself off the hook for not doing the work of pursuing those who wander. But we need to be a place. We need to be a place where when I wander, I ought to anticipate, expect that someone's going to step into my life. And I, when I see other, others wandering, that I take that responsibility because we are, we're all part of this body. And so we join God in his work when we help someone end their wandering. Like, this is what we do. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, someone who walks in the way of Jesus. We join with God when we help someone in their, uh, end their wandering. And it's... And, amazingly, this is God's plan for the church. God could just sit there. He could play the game of, you know, whack you with the stick when you get out of line, right? He could have, he could have seen to it. He's God. He could have done it that way, that a cosmic hand from the sky slaps you when you start to wander from the path, but that's not what he did. He entrusted it to, to us, to one another, to care for one another. That when we see someone step out, when we see the wandering beginning, that we speak, that we try to get in the way, and that when wandering has given birth to, to, to just full-out rebellion from God, that we, we are not going to let that rest. We join God in his work when we help others and their wandering. It's part of what it means for us to be a community together. It's part of what it means for us to be disciples of Jesus. And there's a golf analog, right? You know another reason that the pros make more putts than we do? What do they have? They have a caddy, right? They have someone who walks the entire course with them. Okay? When they get up there and they're going to line up the putt, they have someone else standing with them saying, no, I think you need to be a little more here, a little more there. Before you strike that ball, we need to make sure that it's aimed in the right direction. Maybe more of us need to be caddies. <laughs> Maybe we're not the, the pro striking the ball, but we need to be the person with them, walking with them, step by step, all throughout the round, helping them make sure that, they're, that this is lined up right, that it's going the right direction, that the target is selected accurately. And any time it's wandering or straying, we're there to help bring it back in. That's it. I got pursuing and I got caddies. Okay? 
but we can do this with one another. We are structured in a way, we believe this stuff so much that we have, we've put our church in a position to do this with one another. It's why it matters. It's why it matters that we bring life to our groups together, to our community. If you're not in a group, you need to be because there are people there who need you to walk with them, to help them in their wandering. But you need it too, just like I do. When I begin my wandering, I need those people around me to, to, to press me back towards the path to help end the wandering. There's rejoicing. Heaven rejoices when we do it. We believe that. Will you pray with me? God, we, um, we come to you today as um, broken folks who I just, as the, the hymn writer says, I, I'm prone to wander. I'm just prone to it. I'm, I'm bent that way. I, I, um, I know what you've said. I'm, I'm not ignorant. I just want to do what I want to do. And um, and I confess that, Lord, and I ask that, um, that you, would, you would help us, and I, I call on our body to, to help one another with this. And God, I also confess that I am just, um, part of my wandering is that I just want to leave people alone because I just don't want to be involved. I don't want the responsibility, but you've called us together for more. And so we believe it. We trust that your word is true when you say it. And, um, and Holy Spirit, we ask for your eyes to see it. Would you, would you show us? Um, would you show us what it means to, to, to step in, to walk with, to help keep, um, to keep one another pointed in the, right, in the right direction towards the target, which is, God, you yourself. Help us to, to see you and, um, and show us when there's anything that's taking our eyes off of you. We love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.